Hello, hello, hello. This is Tamika Seaton, President and CEO of Grow Your Nonprofit, where we help startups, small and stagnant nonprofits grow through fundraising strategies, strategic planning, and so much more. Guys, today you're in for a treat. I have my special guest here, the CEO of Hope Clubhouse, Miss Erin Bouchard. But before we get started, I'd like to thank the sponsors of my podcast, Hodges University with a campus in Fort Myers. Stay near, go far. They change lives for the better. Trinity Life Foundation Naples, helping at-risk youth through their enrichment programs. AVID, that stands for the Associations of Haitians Living Abroad. They just opened an amazing support center right here in the beautiful Fort Myers, where they will help you with immigration support, utility building, and so much more. Last but not least, Vax Truth. They just received a grant from the CDC to raise awareness of COVID-19 and community resources in the black and brown communities. So like I said, guys, my favorite guest here is Miss Erin with Hope Clubhouse. Hi, Erin. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Happy single de Mayo. I know. Where's the tacos? <laughs> I know. I, I didn't think of that. Tacos and tequila, right? Hey, yes. <laughs> Very good. So we'll start the podcast with you telling us a little bit about your background. I know before we started recording, you mentioned that you served in the military in the Air Force, which is the best branch, right? As far as I'm concerned. Uh, yes. I agree. I agree. I love it. So tell us a little bit about your, your background experience and how did you get into the nonprofit world? I appreciate you asking that. A lot of folks jump straight into the organization. Yes. Um, so I went into the military as, as a teenager, and I'm a very proud veteran. Um, but it honestly set the foundation to be able to do this. Hmm. Um, I did logistics. And that teaches you people, money, and things. Yes, Which yes. is every business. Yes. Every business needs to be able to yes. uh, manage those things well. I also have a background in clinical psychology. Mm -hmm. So I uh, carry licenses in um, mental health counseling and substance abuse counseling. Mm -hmm. And that has led me to serve in all kinds of underprivileged populations. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, a lot of uh, black and brown people often find themselves yes. in those um, categories of being marginalized uh, across all kinds of segments right. of the population, right. um, whether it be housing and, and access to loans, mm -hmm. particularly housing business. Right. I don't need to tell you any of this. I, you don't need to tell me this because you, you, as a, even as an educated um, person of color, I still um, encounter challenges, but but that's okay because it. I always say diamonds are built under pressure, so that's Absolutely. okay. You grow, you learn, and you learn how to navigate the how system. The system, right? So yeah, that's my background. Um, I retired from the military, medically retired from the military, um, into 2009, beginning of 2010, and I've served in nonprofits ever since. Hmm. Uh, I grew my career from from you know being a um, you know, a, a staff person mm -hmm. to being a um, program director. Mm -hmm. Then I took on roles as a vice president and eventually as a deputy director, COO. Um, this is my first CEO role, oh, wow. uh, which I've been in for almost three years. And um, I, I will tell you, it's, it's uh, as you know, having mentioned that you've been an executive director of a nonprofit, it's hard. Yes. Yes, it's, it is. It's very hard. It is. Yeah. I, um, I, I like what you mentioned about logistics, and I like yeah. what you mentioned about business, 
because I specialize in the startup and the small and the stagnant nonprofits and they all struggle. And before they even start, I ask them, do you understand you're starting a business? business. And the only difference is your tax exemption status. Correct. So you have to have more than passion to run a business. Mm -hmm. So tell me about your logistics side of business, because when I was interviewing a, a different um, person earlier, she mentioned inventory, a monthly inventory. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that is smart. Because when I think of inventory, I think of retail. Right. But I've never even thought about your nonprofit doing a monthly inventory. Right. So tell me how you run your nonprofit and lo the logistics of it all, since that's what you specialize in. It is. Um, so because logistics teaches you truly how to manage people, money, and things, mm -hmm. things being assets, any type of assets, uh, you you have to bring that to a nonprofit. I happen to agree with you that many of good missions mm -hmm. get shut down because they don't balance heart with budget. Right. right. And um, so even if you don't have retail assets, you're not taking stock of however many widgets there yeah, are. Yeah. yeah. Um, you do need to be taking stock of everything else, such as. Well, everything. So your membership. Okay. Um, you have membership? Ours is membership. Mm -hmm. So I need to be very clear that they're not clients, they're not customers, they're not patients. Mm -hmm. Just like any other membership-driven agency like Kiwanis or Rotary mm -hmm. or for me being military VFWs, those are membership-based agencies and, and clubhouses are the same way. So, but you do still need to take stock of your members mm -hmm. because that's why you exist. Right. That is your mission. How are people doing? Are people coming in? Do they need more support services than they're getting? We have a very robust reach out program. So we go through everybody who hasn't been there, whether it's via that week or via that month. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a set um, threshold mm -hmm. in their profile. I don't want to be contacted unless you haven't heard from me in a month. Okay. Right? So we, we run those types of inventories. Um, and then there's more traditional inventories, right? You, you, you should. You hope you better take care of your money. Yes. Right? Yes. So are you balancing your books? Mm -hmm. Are you prepared for external audits? Um, and then any assets you have inside your organization. Because if you don't take care of your fixtures, your equipment, um, any other physical assets that you have, your chairs, your desks, mm -hmm. your tables, mm -hmm. uh, you're going to find yourself um, paying a lot of money you may not have prepared for. Right, right. So how do you how do you balance with the mindset, the, 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 the general public has a mindset, you're a nonprofit, you shouldn't be profitable, you should have used beat up old hand-me-down things. Mm. How do you balance that and say, no, we are a nonprofit, but we're gonna run our nonprofit like a business, we're gonna invest in technology and quality things, and it, it's okay to pay your CEO well, your staff yeah. well, because we want to um, attract and retain top talent. How do you balance that and get that message out, not only to your board, but the community? So I'm very blessed that Hope Clubhouse operates under the Carver model of governance. So they are truly just an oversight board. Uh, they have no operational um, say mm -hmm. in the decisions that, that I, in the CEO role, make inside Clubhouse. Uh, I've worked in both models. They both have a, a very important role to play based on the agency. Um, 
I have a TBI, which stands for traumatic brain injury from my military service. So I struggle with um, names, but the bold training, anybody who has not seen that for nonprofits should take the time to take the training because they specifically talk about why the 10% overhead rule in a nonprofit yeah. makes no sense. Right. Um, it is a business and the concept of you have to spend money to make money still exists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not suggesting that you have a 90% admin budget and a 10% mission budget, but the 10% admin budget doesn't work in most cases either. Um, because that also does mean that you're telling the people that you serve mm -hmm all they deserve mm -hmm. is hand-me-down furniture mm -hmm. and hand-me-down food and hand-me-down clothes and so you're continuing in your service to marginalize them right right which which isn't okay and you also spoke um about paying your staff mm -hmm. uh what happens a lot in social services and nonprofits is they're barely paid a livable wage <laughs> either mm -hmm. and they become very similarly positioned as the people oh you serve and that's not okay right. so one of the first things that I did when I was able to right I had to build the budget to do that was gave a 10% pay increase across mm -hmm. the board um, and then I gave another 3% cost of living mm -hmm. as well even so that over compensated right. for the current inflation rate right. um, you can't expect your people even who want to serve out of from a place of, of heart mm -hmm. of giving mm -hmm. To not be able to pay their bills right right and and you know that that's one of my concerns is you give so much as mm -hmm. working in nonprofit but what about you what about you, your exit strategy what about when you retire right. like who's going to take care of me yeah and I worry a lot about specifically founders and um, leadership and, and staff who give their all and say they put in their 30 years and they just physically can't work anymore. What happens if, if they were not, I guess, proactive in their finances and saving or investing in retirement, then they may be a participant of your services because, you know, um, they, didn't, they were so passionate about that mission that they forgot about themselves. Right. So I, two things, for me personally, I am truly blessed that I have a pension from mm -hmm. the military. Mm -hmm. So I've obtained a retirement mm -hmm. that I'll have for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. But you're absolutely right. In today's modern world, um, pensions and retirements are very much a thing of, a, right. of the past unless you built them through mm -hmm. your 401ks or other, other strategies. I feel as a nonprofit leader that part of my job um, if I'm going to provide financial literacy to the people that we serve, how on earth does it not make sense that we're doing the same thing with our employees? Right. Um, and whether it's through us or an outside person, uh, the nonprofit, in my opinion, if every nonprofit needs to have some type of retirement strategy, mm -hmm. whether it's a 503B or an IRA mm -hmm. or a SEP IRA, um, you, you need to have some vehicle. Yes. yes. And if you have the ability to match, you need to match. Mm -hmm. And if you don't currently have the ability to match, that needs to be part of your strategy is to be able to match going forward. Going forward. Yeah. Going forward. We could have all, we could have, we could have a conversation all day about business because I love the nonprofit side of business. Yeah. But getting into to Hope Clubhouse, I noticed you have four pillars of Hope for, for Clubhouse. I, I believe it's education, um, housing, um, wellness, mm -hmm. 
and um so think about business employment employment that's right and that's Absolutely. i met your staff member at a, a goodwill um job fair Wonderful. there i i had a booth there and yeah. she was uh, her booth was right across from me and i went over and introduced myself she was like no i wouldn't be a great person to interview but my ceo would be yeah. and you were very responsive so thank you so much so you met Karen Bibbo. I did. She is um, our employment manager. Mm -hmm. She has a background in vocational rehabilitation um, and education. That's what her, um, her, her background, her degree is in. And she is very passionate mm -hmm. uh, about how do you help people gain longer term stability. Mm -hmm. And all of these core components have to work together. How do you keep people housed? How do you keep them employed if they're able to be employed? How do you keep them um, outside of food insecurity? Mm -hmm. um, how do you do all of those things? And so you, you mentioned our pillars. They're very important to us uh, because Clubhouse is for individuals with mental health, mm -hmm. right? So they're already a whole nother right. stigmatized right. segment of the population. And they also have a level of disability a lot of times that impacts their ability to work or work well for long periods. And what the clubhouse model does is helps people stay stable. Mm -hmm. And when we ask people to come visit us in our um in our world, mm -hmm. it's for folks to see what um, severe mental illness, things like schizophrenia, schizoaffective, bipolar, the psychotic disorders, the ones that people think they understand that they've mm. seen on TV, uh, what they look like stable. The mm. fact that you wouldn't be able to pick out, in most cases, wow. who's a member and who's a staff person. Wow. Because that's the way our model operates. So, so. What components of your model stabilizes your participants? The model itself. So the model goes back to the 1940s in New York City, to the original clubhouse, which is called Fountain House. Um, think about from clinical terms that even the most severe cases outside of a hospital setting might get an hour of clinical support per week. What do you do with the rest of that right. time? Yeah. What do you do when isolation, loneliness, symptoms kick in, um, sadness, depression, suicidal ideation? What do you do with all of those things? And, and just like anybody else, loneliness has become its own epidemic. Oh, yes. So the clubhouse is a community. That's what it's for. People say, well, are you a day program? In the traditional sense, sort of, right? Are we open during the day? Can people come and go as they please? But the reality is it's a community. Hmm. So they find friendship. They find support in a way that when people think about case management, mm -hmm. I refer to the fact that these folks aren't cases. Hmm. So we walk with individuals. And that's whatever that is. So this morning, we have a gentleman um, who has a HUD housing voucher mm. who's not been able to find another place. Mm. So in the interim, this morning, we helped him move his stuff into storage oh, wow. because he had to be out by today at four, right? Wow. How many people don't have that person to show up with a truck oh my and manpower, right? People all over our communities are facing these situations that are hard to handle mm -hmm. alone. Mm -hmm. Our members aren't alone. Oh, I love that. I love that. So they have really a community of support and they know that they can turn to you when they have no one else, not even family. And, and, and in many cases, 
um, people are shut off from their family because their illness has been was so bad for so long mm. that their families have, in many cases, either they're gone because as people age, yeah, their traditional family passes on, yeah, um, or sadly they've burnt bridges in their illness prior to being stable, but not at hope. Our, our motto is once a member, always a member. Mm. So as long as you're not a danger to yourself or others, you always have a community that will step up mm -hmm. to whatever situation you're mm -hmm. facing. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I dived into each pillar on your website and my passion is always housing. I know Absolutely. all the other three pa uh, pillars are very important. Um, housing. Mm -hmm. Southwest Florida mm -hmm. has gotten really, really um, expensive. And I know there's talk everywhere about affordable housing. And I, I start to question, well, what is the definition of affordable housing? And I know is the median income in the specific area. But a lot of people still can't. Don't, can't pay that, right? Because rents are very high and just to try to purchase a house. How do you, how do you, is solving the, the word or how do you how do you deal with that being that you know the income or the employment is not always stable because they mentally probably can't do it for long periods of time Correct. so what is the, the solution there Ooh. so the solution is systemic <laughs> so anybody in local government or state government that looks at that um, you have to tackle affordable housing because it's now not just for marginalized populations it's also affecting your workforce housing mm -hmm. and so individuals mm -hmm. that are supposed to be revered including your first responders your teachers right. your nurses are also facing these exact same struggles I have publicly spoken before that even on my salary I would not have come to Fort Myers, Florida if I had to pay what it would cost today to mm -hmm. be here. Mm -hmm. And I've said that openly in many platforms. Um, you need to understand that the average SSDI, um, SSDI. Social Security Disability okay. Income okay. is $763 per oh. month. You can't get a room for that. You can in programs that are working in my population okay. for instance um, castle which stands for community assisted supported living who is formed out of um, Sarasota have a lot of dispersed site housing mm. here in Lee County mm. but when that's full right and the lowest room cost is 565 mm. and that person makes 763 now you're asking them to live the whole rest of their life for that month mm -hmm. on under two hundred dollars. Mm -hmm per month. Mm -hmm. um, it's by the grace of God that Hope Clubhouse very rarely has somebody who meets the true definition of homelessness, mm. meaning they don't have a place to stay that night. But it's not because there are good options. It's because there are enough community-based programs that are stepping up to the plate. Mm but not to meet the, the growing needs because it's the working right. poor that are now finding themselves unable to afford rents, let alone buy a place. Mm -hmm. Wow, I told you the time goes by mm -hmm. so fast. Yeah. Uh, we could talk all day. This is a very important topic, so thank you. How could our audience reach out to you if they have follow-up questions or they have a family member who would benefit 
from your services if you could share with us telephone number and a, a website or email absolutely so you can get us on the web at hopeclubhouse.org you can get us um, through my personal email, which is Erin, E-R-I-N, at hopeclubhouse.org. And our agency's phone number is 239-267-1777, and we'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much, Erin, for your time, you. for your commitment uh, to the community, for your service to our country. Thank you. Um, we're so, Southwest Florida is so lucky to have you. So thank you. Thank you for having You're me. You're welcome. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Guys, you heard it here first. Another Southwest Florida nonprofit out there in the community making an impact, saving lives, helping people sustain their lives for the better. So this is Tamika. I'm signing off and stay tuned for more Grow Your Nonprofit podcast.